Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Lockdown series and I'm delighted to be joined by current Down manager Paddy Talley. Paddy, thanks very much for your time here. I know how busy you are um, with the schoolwork and getting the boys ready for the now push on for, for Division 2. Thanks very much John, it's good to be here. Paddy, how is, I'm sure with all the planning and uh, all the scenarios you worked out, you didn't think there was going to be a pandemic that's going to put the, the spanner in the works? No, it's been it's been a real strange one, John. No, normally, at this stage, we'll be in the in the middle of of, of real challenge of football, and uh, with now with having the extended break, it, it just it just changed the season completely. You know, we've really been on, a, on an off season now for a while, and um, I'm just so delighted now that we're going to get football. Firstly, the, the clubs resuming at the end of the month. And then um, county football taken in, in in October. So really, really delighted that that we're, we're something to look forward to the rest for the rest of the year. How was the um, planning then, Paddy, over the lockdown? Then were boys given specific programs, individual programs, to, so that their their fitness levels obviously were were kept a, a level. Yeah, the, initially when we were told that the lockdown, you know, when it's, the the leagues were suspended, we we hoped we were going to be back in May. That was the initial thought. So there was a date given around the middle of May. So we didn't really back off too much, to be honest with you, because it was really middle of March. If we're going to be back in May, we sort of kept the training at a fairly high intensity for that next next four to five weeks because we thought we'd be back in again. But then when it became more, you know, when the message came through that we wouldn't get back for a considerable amount of time, we really had to back off completely. And and, and really the players were given a weekend a program every week that they would, they would do their best to follow. And, and purely because we don't know the exact circumstance of every player, what was going on at home and, and what access they had to facilities and equipment and whatever else. So really, it was really up to the players to, to do as well as they possibly could. And, and happy enough to say that they've, they've been following their work pretty well and, and um, now they're coming in and they're back to their clubs and, and I'm sure they're, they're working hard at the moment with their clubs. But with your uh, sports science background, do you think it, it helped you understand and then, you know, whenever the boys were away and they're giving you the numbers coming back and that, you know, what, what level the boys are? Uh, definitely with, with GPS now and, and information come back, it does, it's a great tool, you know, um, it's something that wasn't available a few years ago, but now having it, it does mean an awful lot, and, and the players can download their section, send it off to us, and we can see what they've been doing. Now, some of this, what we found actually at the start of the, the breakdown was the boys nearly, I think it was maybe boredom and just needing to get out to train, and some boys were, were training out twice, three sometimes, some cases doing three sessions a day, which we had to, we had to tell them to back off, really, and, um, so initially it was nearly it was a nearly overtrain going to happen, and that's impossible to sustain that over over a number of months. So then having going to more of a structured program that they sort of knew from week to week exactly what you should be doing in, in terms of seven days, and that and that put an adequate rest and recovery in between as well, and and like players to to just maintain their fitness. Like, um, but definitely the the, um, the figures going back were pretty good. And um, they should be going back to their clubs in decent shape now. I'm sure when they are in their clubs, they should. I like to think they'd be um, leading the pack. And with the, I'm sure you're delighted that they're going to finish the national league as well. Obviously, you know, it's no secret that down, um, we're looking out of uh, Division Three this year. Oh, that was a priority this year. I think. I think um, we we made it very clear to start that we had to we had to get promotion this year. Um, last year was a was a big change. We we had 
I suppose building a new squad, introducing a lot of young players and new players into the team. I think we had, I think we had seventeen players, maybe seventeen players made their league debuts last year, and I think thirteen made their championship debuts. So with that change last year, we nearly we still should have got promotion. You know, with, with all said and done, we missed out on that, and that was something we were disappointed about. Um, but this year, um, we, again, it's been a fair bit of change as well. You know, from from the turnover in the squad, again, it's been quite different. But I felt that that year's experience was was good for the team. And I felt this year we we did set our target at the start of the year to ensure we get promotion. And we're in a position now we can get that. We have two games left. Thankfully, those two games now are being penciled in for for the middle of October. And uh, we hope that we can we we get a performance right to, to achieve that. The Leitrim away, I believe, and then is it Loud the way as well? How are the two fixtures? Leitrim home. Leitrim home. Leitrim home and Loud the, Loud the way. So we, we have, uh, that's a confirmation, I guess, the weekend of 15th or 16th of October okay. for the Leitrim game and then the following weekend for the way to Loud. So now, listen, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge now and then regarding the club leagues and club championship. But whatever time we get the players back, we have a new focus, which is which is really good enough and look forward to that. And the structure of the, the championship then, Paddy, um I suppose that like anything, uh, it was either going to be an open draw or um straight knockout with the with the provisionals. Um how happy are you with that or is it just you know get on with it? I I, I wouldn't be overly delighted to be honest with you. I think I think that um I think this was a missed opportunity. I think in the year it was, it'd been, it, uh, a few months back I was asked this question too and I felt this was an opportunity to, to throw it open. You know, if you look at the reason the open draw, the reason we moved away from, the, from that, the, this, the old system was to, to increase the level of opportunity for, for, uh, and fairness mm-hmm. throughout the country. Like, you know, and we're back to it again. So it seems a, it's a relatively step in my, point, in my opinion. Oh, okay, we are constrained by the, the pandemic and the way things are this year. But I felt that the GEA just went back too quickly to the old system without exploring. Was there an easier way to do this? Could we have done it in an open draw system? Could we have kept some? Because really, also a championship becomes a, a, a minefield and a battlefield now. Uh, and we look across it, you know, look across the Ireland and we see that some teams will win two matches in the Bill Ireland semi-final where not you could possibly have to win four. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the amount of teams that are in Division 1 that are in Ulster compared to Division 1 that are in other provinces, you know, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't really, it isn't really fair. And that's why we moved away from it. So we need an opportunity to open this thing up, go for an open draw across Ireland. Let's see how it works, you know, just like a, a, a new living experiment. The best teams will always come to the top anyway, the best team will win it. So I don't think it'll been a, there shouldn't have been a fear among the GA both that this year, but maybe they have the reasons. I think probably a lot of it may to do just a purely administration. Let the provincial councils look after their own competitions from from admin point of view and stru- and organisation point of view, and maybe getting venues organised and that. So maybe that was part of the thinking behind it. But listen, you know we, we can't. At the same time, I don't want to be too hard on it because if you had asked me this year. Six weeks ago, I'd have took the arm off for it because <laughs> we we didn't think we were going to get any football. Yeah. So now we just have to settle for it and get on with it. No, I can see your reasoning, especially you know whenever you look across and Tyrone are playing Donegal, which could have been like potentially semi final, even final. You know, so you know oh, that's, I, I that's, a, that's, that's a massive game. You know, not the mm-hmm. championship game, and you have two of the best top probably top six teams in Ireland, maybe 
you know, sitting there facing each other in a knockout game, one of those teams is gone. And it's, it's back to the old days. If we remember back to the 90s, you know, I remember 12 weeks of inter-county pre-season for one match in, in May. And if you were beaten, your season was over. You know, and it was, it, when you look back at it, it was very, very difficult. You know, and Evan was based around Champions League. You know, thankfully, the National League has taken a much more, a bigger, a bigger partner. The National League is a good, really good competition as well, balanced, and it's, it's, it's structured in a really good way you now. But they, uh, they, 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 the Cork and Kerry's and other two big teams, like, you know, they're going to meet in a, in a, in a, in a, in a monster semi final. One of those is going to go as well, like, you know, and it's, it's, it is tough on those teams, the, the big teams this year that aren't going to get a crack. But listen, if an open draw situation, you two teams drew up, they got two ones going to go. So it's, it's, it's probably it's the, way it's, the way it is, yeah. right? Yeah, no, we have to make the best of it, as you say, and you know, best of luck in the in the league games and the championship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you were mentioning about the the nineties, sir. You were part of the ninety five squad that that got to the final. Um, mm. What age were you on, when, on that experience then? Um, Jesus, I was I was twenty. I think I was I was around about twenty one. Mm-hmm. I just turned 21, 22, and, and we were, I was just I was at St. Mary's at the time. I think it was maybe third year at the college. I would call into the squad. I was in for a few years, um, but um, it was it was a great time. I, I thought that, that I thought those nineties were really enjoyed, and and it was probably on the back of what Down were doing in Derry and Donegal. We we that was a that was a really high time for us to football, you know. And it's, it, it, there, was, there was just great rivalry among the counties that time. I remember that was I started college ninety two. And at that stage, um, uh, you're playing Sigerson Cup football and Ryan Cup football against the best players in Ulster. You know, and Queens were laden with good players like James was playing, James Picard and Anthony Tohill and Cahill O'Rourke and Brian McCormick and Paul Brewster and Kieran McGinney and all these lads playing for Queens. And then if you're across the Jordanstown, you had a pile of down players, you know, that were, that were, and other county players that were really, really good at Jordanstown. Your name is St. Mary's. We were mixed with, we had a few, Good players from from Tyrone down our man was talking to get but every match every one of those college matches was was held for mm-hmm. and it was all back and then those lads were going and playing for the counties national league matches and then championship games so we were at a real high time of football that time to be involved and at the university level that time you really saw how good those players were but it was also it was a brilliant thing to bring you on as a player because if you were going out in a, in a college match and you're being picked up by one of the better players you really had to play really well. You know, you're marking one of the county footballers as established, maybe pushed himself to be a county player. He was there to prove how good he was. You had to prove how good you were. So I think on the back of that there, definitely proved your football. And, and I probably on the back of that, I got to call into the Trump squad in, in early 95. And uh, it just was a great year to be involved in it. You know, we didn't win it. And unfortunately, we weren't able to carry on the dominance. But... To be part of an, uh, uh, a squad that gets in the final and experience all that was, was really, really good. 96 then, we, we were beaten by uh, beaten by Mead in a semi-final. Um, and that was a day where we basically beat out the gate every way. And, and I think really that was that was hard and thrown because we never really got back after that until into, to 2003. You know, there, was a, there was a lull then for a few years where we never got back until we eventually won. But it was a great time. Though, though in 90, I thought were brilliant, and I, and I thought that we, we were very much inspired by the down team of the 91-94. That down, you know, those two down teams were exceptional. It's only when you look back now, lucky enough, I was at the end of the uh, celebration event there earlier on in the year in the Canal Court, and the down team of 94 were honoured. And it was just it was a brilliant night 
really, really good night to listen to the stories and the tales of, of what went on that year. But also just you're really in the, you're in the presence of, of greatness that night. Like you know the, the players were there, and I look, you know we really looked up, really did look up. That you know there's mighty battles, and we, and we drove it down. There's no there was no uh, love lost. There's a there's a, there's a famous day. There's a famous day when there's a there's a boot tossed into the crowd in, in Clonus and and uh, and <laughs> College took exception to James Pumy Kings and threw him into the crowd. Um, but but that was that was that's what it was at that time. We had, there was a, there was no quarter asked, no quarter given in those games, and there's a real rivalry there in those years. And I think that that's made us really good, and I think that helped helped down as well to achieve there. There, all Ireland was the fact of being pushed to the pin of the collar in, in provincial level too. You joined the the Mickey Hart setup in two thousand three. Um, what was your relationship like with Mickey whenever you were player? And did you have one eye whenever you were in the squad, not thinking to yourself, whenever this is all over, I want to be coach, trainer, assistant manager, or even manager? <laughs> Nothing like that at all. That's <laughs> when you're playing, you're playing. And, and I think it's even else. You, you end up getting into coaching because you, yes, your club. And I would have worked along with a lot of underage teams in Galway, in my own club, um, between probably from one to 14s up. And then uh, I got involved, I think, in about 19 um, I think it was 89, I was asked to go to come in and do a bit of work with the um, they, they, There was a bit of transition between coaches managers in, in the college. I, asked me, I had graduated in 86 and they said we'd come back and do an odd session here. And I think I ended up that I, I, I enjoyed that because you were working really at, at a third level with good players and you, I sort of knew the background of what it was like to play at that level and, and, and what it took to, to, to get teams ready at that level. Um, but then that was, I was teaching at the time in St. Kieran's Ballygolly and Mickey was a teacher up there. He, he's teaching PE and I was in the PE department as well. And he asked me would, would I be interested in getting involved when he was going for the job. It really wasn't a, it wasn't a difficult decision to make. You know, it was supposed to venture into the county, into county coaching and training at that, le- at that time. But um, I felt I had enough experience. I felt I had enough of my... I just, at the time, I was finishing off a master's in sports science. So I gained a bit more knowledge and understanding of the of the sports science again, just refresh what I was doing and increase my knowledge there. And it meant that a lot of stuff that I was studying I was bringing straight into the training field, onto the training field and really working it from there. And it was great because I, I, I spent the summer of, of 2003 writing up a dissertation on cryotherapy and ice baths. And uh, I was leaving the library and driving to training and putting boys in ice baths and and, and and basically applying the science that I was I was studying. But that was that was part of that whole summer of two thousand and three, which was great. And and um, Mickey was Mickey was a teacher in the school. I had he, had, he wouldn't really have taught me in school, but I I went to St Kieran's myself as a student. And Mickey would have been about the PE department and a coach dog team. Um, but he, he wouldn't have, didn't really have an awful lot, he didn't take coaches an awful lot, he made a total solid P lesson really, we, we were, um, but I got to know him, got to know him, but he, he came with a reputation as being a very, very good um, and successful underage manager, he had been had successful through minors with two All-Ireland titles, 2021s with two All-Ireland titles, and uh, he was really would have been the forerunner for that job when the, when the time came up, like, so it was, no, it was a great experience and, and one I don't regret. No, sure. And, you know, with the, what was your role then with the throne? You know, you had this group of under-21s and you're known for your, your man of management as well, Paddy. Like, was it to, get, to integrate them young players with, the, you know, the older players and, you know, get them 
you know, I suppose, well, you know, their training levels up. And there, there wasn't really much integration to be done. These guys were very tight anyway. You know, if, if previous to 2003, Throne had won the National League in 2002. Mm. Art McCrory and Eugene McKenna had started to integrate a lot of those young players in. So a lot of them were already playing with the squad. When Mickey, Mickey obviously knew them very, very well in his time. He had them from minors on through. So when he got him, when he's managing the team, you could clearly see there's a very strong link between the man, manager and the players. There's a strong relationship there. There's still a few more senior players there wasn't that many, you know, really, maybe about half a dozen players that weren't part of that under-21 setup. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe more, maybe 10, I think it was in the squad that weren't, you know, that were a bit older. But once there was a really seamless integration there among the group, you know, there was great crack, there were good friends, you know, there was, there was, there was good fun. You know, it's, it's amazing to think that it, it, we were serious about what we did. Like, you know, when it comes to training, we trained very hard, we did what we had to do. But there was, there was a fantastic bond among that team. That was a team that would have been... Good friendship, good friendships off the pitch as well, and there would have been a there would have been definitely a policy of every Sunday night after the game would have been a get together, you know, and that was that was written into the rules of the constitution of that team. There would have been a, a get together in Michaelers and Dungana, and I think that team that team would have been very very close off the field as well as on it. So I don't think they've been. I think it's mad, and to be honest with you, regarding training and it really it was it was a joy to play with, to work with them because really there wasn't an awful lot of coaching to be done. These are all really good footballers. My job was to make sure that they were fit, strong, and they weren't going to I've always, always believed that, you know, that to be successful, you need your best players on the pitch and playing really well. And one of the priorities is always can keep players and keep them injury-free. And because they were young, you know, they were 22, 20, 21, 22, 23, they were quite young and physically you had a fair bit of development to do to make sure that they were able to take the knocks. But they were they were super fit and they were able to, to play that high intensity game. So um, no, it was a really easy group of players to work with. No, it was an exceptional exceptional team, and it's always you know that famous picture of them surrounding carry players as well. The condition of them players was was phenomenal as well, and it's probably brought the GA in terms of players' fitness levels on as well. The forerunner. I uh, I think I think we got you know two thousand two. Armagh had won the All Ireland, you know, and I remember watching and being in Crow Park that day, watching them beating Kerry. And um, I, I said to myself, you know, that you know that, that Armagh really, really put it up to Kerry physically. You know, they're really in the second half, like at first at half time, Kerry should have been out the gate and, and away, but missed their chances. But you could see the game change in the second half. You could see Armagh really getting stuck into them. You know, physically getting wired into Kerry, and I think that changed. You know, I think the change. I don't think Kerry probably expected that level of intensity. You know that they got that day. So we probably knew deep down that if we get Kerry the following year, which we did, and end up getting them in, in in Crow Park that day in the semi final, that we had to play that game at a very high intensity. But there had to be a, a real hunger in the bite, especially early on in the game, because if Kerry can get a march on you, like, and they can get ahead, it's going to be very difficult to bring them back because they're they they do. Kerry can. Could be quiet for ten minutes and rattle off two five in the next five minutes. You know that's the type of team they are. Like they're really really good just when it comes to taking scores. So we just had to make sure that that game was played at a very high intensity. And I think that that um, considering we lost Peter quite early in the game, you know Peter had come off with with an ankle injury. Like you know, but that stage the dad would set the tone for the game. It set really the tone that that this is going to be a battle in here. You know, and, and really thrown with with a team that more up for it. Like. And then we will move on to twenty ten then. Were your first uh, phrase with, with down then? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, opportunity missed. Do you think, or how did you how did you see that the whole year pan out? 
that's the one that got away. You know, it'll always be the one that got away. You know, 2010. It, it was um, just a promotion. I was involved in 2009 with Ross and DJ and the promotion of Division 3 to Division 2 that year. And I think that was a big thing for Down just to get back up a, a higher level. Um, so when I was, when DJ and Ross were, were stepping down as managers, then asked me to stay on as a, as a trainer for, for the new management. So when James came in, I was able to bring Brian McCaver came with me. me I worked with Brian before. Uh, and he's, he was a great, I just knew he'd be a great man to work with that down team. They were, they were a young team, a lot of good players. They just needed somebody maybe with a, and a just a Brian's a lovely way of working with players, especially he's, he's like a father figure among, among a team, you know. And it allowed, it allowed me and him to get on with the coaching and the training of things. And James was, was able to manage the group really, really well and, and tactically very good and astute in how, how to set up the team and that. Um, so that, that team were really on, uh, starting to rise, you know. Two or three things happened that year. And once they got back to Division 2, during that winter, Martin, Marty Clark decided to come home mm-hmm. and, and wanted to play for Down in 2010. And that was a big thing for Down. Um, for that for that time, Marty, there was just something Down needed Mar- Marty Clark at that time. You know, he, he became a pivotal player the following year. He, his, his free taking was very good. His passing was very good. He, he was able to, when you'd like a Benny Holder, Paul McComiskey, John Clark inside, you, you, then you'd Connor or Mark Poland and you'd, you'd Danny Hughes and Marty Clark in the half forward line. You know, you had boys then that could put their foot in the ball and hit the pass and then said you were going to score. And then, I suppose the other thing we had to do, we had to get a defensive system in place. You know, the, the one thing maybe down at that time, that the team efforts were fought, one thing from the, that we weren't particularly good at early that, that time was we were leaking a lot of scores to the back. So once you had a defensive structure in place and you had that wee bit of leadership, you know, which Ambrose Rogers really gives that team. Ambrose really grew as a captain that year. Benny was very good as a, as a leading player. Danny Hughes, a few of those older players, Declan Rooney, Benny, Benny McVeigh and Benny McVeigh and Golds. And those few older players then give great leadership. And that team just evolved as the season went on. You know, we got promotions from Division 2 to Division 1. And so that's two promotions back to back. And you could see that team starting to grow. But then as the season went on, the championship, we, we were beating Matrone in Casement Park in the semi final also. And uh, it was more an experience than anything else. You know, Matrone were, were cute. We're, we're just that we had won. Throne were, were had won, I think, also taken in 2008 uh, again. And um, just you could see that day that wee bit of, of experience uh, and know how stood the throne. But when Down got a motor in that year in the back door, they, they, once they got over the first round, the, the confidence grew in the team. And before they knew it, they found themselves in the semi final against Kildare. And they knew one more step and you're you back in the final, which, which happened. So it was, it was a real roller coaster of a ride, but um, they showed the credentials and, and just really unfortunate in the day we didn't finish the job off against Cork. With the training as well, Paddy, I was talking to, to Marty and John about, about this, and they were both saying that you know, the trainers were fierce. You know, and, and I suppose you come from a throne background and, and seeing what, what it takes to, to win all Ireland's and, and get the finals. You know, your training levels do have to match um, what you're going to come up against every, every Sunday. or. <laughs> They probably have to do a bit more, John. To be honest with you, you know you can't take it. You have to be nearly training at a higher level. You have to bring a level of intensity to your work that's actually higher than what you're going to face in a game. Um, that's that's a that's a nearly a, a prerequisite. 
of getting the team ready for that because you know that the day you play in a, in a high level championship game it's going to be fiercely intense so um in 2010 we would have trained really hard the boys would have put a big shift in and it's, it's hard to sustain that over a long period of time but for when you have a team for a year and you know, at that particular time you know you have to put the time in you have to work in and uh, they did and we we did play it really on the edge as much as we possibly could and um, it, it worked well for that particular group of players and how's your um, relationship with the players like it must be if you're you're beasting them every night and you know you're, you're trying, <laughs> and then you're trying to build a relationship, um, you know, sure they're, maybe, I'm sure they're cursing me up. I'm, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're cursing me up and down different times, you know. Um, at it. but to be honest with you, they they, they seem to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, they really, and I have to be honest with you, every every county team I've worked with. Boys don't mind hard training. Mm-hmm. You know, players players enjoy training. They don't mind putting the work in. It's it's part of being an elite athlete. As such, you expect that. Like you know, and I think that anybody that that sort of questions that at this level really, it's not the place for them. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to be at the compete at the top table, you you got to be prepared to put in, you know, really really hard sessions, and you have to put yourself through the middle, both physically and mentally, and every other way. And other ways you'll be found wanting and, and you can't take that chance. Yeah. yeah. And obviously you had a great relationship with Brian because he, he then brought him brought you with him to uh, Derry then, Paddy. Aye, well, I but Brian was a, wanted to, well, he was, they wanted him to take the Derry job on and um, and he asked me would I go with him at that time and I was, I, I did and, and Brian, to work with Brian McKay was really, really good. I learned so, so much from working with him. Uh, he's just a good man, a, good, a really good man manager, uh, an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to Gaelic football. And um, uh, we had three really good years in Derry. Now we didn't, we didn't, uh, we come up with short and big games, but 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 uh, some like we got the national league final and um, beaten to the Dubs. You know, with 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 a sort of team, I think, and I think in Derry we went from Division Two to Division One. We won the Division Two title. We went to Division One. We went to the National League final the following year, and the following year we, we competed really hard again. Now the championship or championship games, we really we got beaten by down actually in in in, uh, in Celtic Park. I remember we played down in a really good championship match in Celtic Park. Down, they got the better of us. But then the backdoor system, the back door, we threw down again, and uh, and then we got we got a revenge back and down that day, and uh, but really good championship matches as well. But it was a good experience. Derry, Derry players are a bit like down. They're very natural footballers, very very natural players in Derry. They love playing the game. They come from good good heartland of, of GA clubs like like down. So we sort of knew going to Derry, you're gonna you're gonna inherited a bunch of players that were, were, were quality. Um, so in a few good years, we enjoyed a bit of some great battles in the Championship. Donegal ourselves went up against each other a few years and there was maybe stuff, real edge of the seat Championship matches as well. But we just caught that a little bit short. I think well, the year that we um, the year that we, we beat down in the qualifiers were going really well that day and I thought that this team was turned now. But then we had a, we had a lot of injuries. We lost PJ McCluskey, who who was standing that day against down in the middle of the field, and we lost him to Crucial that day. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to be that we, the time we come round to later in the qualifiers, we just lost too many players, and we got picked by um, we got picked by Galway, believe it or not, in, in the qualifying game in in, uh, in Galway. 
And uh, it just is, it's wonderful. I think it's our last match actually after that game. Brian stood down from it. We we um we got a, a black card. And that the black card rule that time was you couldn't you couldn't replace the player. It was a brutal decision then. And Brandon Rogers got sent off for black yard. He tipped over. He actually tipped over his own foot <laughs> as he ran out. And Connor Lane sent him off, and we couldn't believe it. There was a there was a very dubious um um. Claim for a penalty. We should have got a penalty later on in the game where Kieran Boyle, Kieran Boyle was going to fist a ball in the back of the net. And he was pushing the back and he didn't give it. They got up the screen and scored a goal. Game over. So we can look back to those games and with regret. But yeah. I'm, I'm. This sounds like sour grapes. But uh, <laughs> I always felt if I had a wee break that time, we could have got further. But listen, it was it was a good time. Enjoyed it again. You pick up a lot of experience in those times, and, and you, you put it to you put it to use elsewhere. Well, you must impress Galway because then the. They came looking. They came looking for you. But is that anything, Paddy? A coach is always um, oh, hailed hailed um, a genius whenever it's working, and then you know it's uh, whenever it starts to break down, then you're the worst in the world. Oh God, you have to be very aware of that. Like, um, <laughs> how did that, that come about, the Galway? I, I just it was a different one. Like it was, I, I to be honest, I wasn't really planned to get off and on. Two thousand eighteen, I wasn't really in, in any weird. Um, I wasn't really planning any work. I got approached by Kevin Walsh. Would I would I come down and do a bit of coaching with the team? Um, it was uh, something different, you know. It it was uh, an opportunity to see. We're, we're like we are very parochial here in Ulster. Like you know, no matter how much we know each other very very well, <laughs> every county nearly, like you know, you could have lads there sharing a house in Belfast from three different counties. My Matron and Down go living together. So everybody knows each other particularly well, and, and club football is just and county football. It's it's there's no real secret. It's very hard to keep a secret up here. <laughs> um, so probably one of the attractions was is, was to see how different things are done elsewhere. So uh, I also knew to Galway. Galway are a lot of really good players, very qual- a lot of quality footballers. Mm-hmm. But it was more or less uh, to be honest with you, is is really as much about them learning to to, to learn as a different ways and methods of doing things. Just as experience, what was um, what what way things are done in a different part of Ireland, and and and, and uh, uh, so I I went down and, and it was it ended up we, we had a we, we had a right out rattle out that year too, um, we sort of um, they, they suppose got did did pretty well in the league, you know, come up against Dublin and Dublin just that bit of. Extra in the league on the Channel Ireland semi final against Dublin as well, and just they were just too good for us on the day. And um, won the Connacht Championship, which is pretty good. And but really, um, we bit of regret that day too. I felt that the day we played in the in the All Ireland semi final against Dublin, I think we missed a penalty in the first half, and we missed a couple of really good goal chances too. And it's something that looking back at it, I think this game could have been won. But um, but it was a good experience. I enjoyed it. But it was a as a one year gig. The, the travel the commitment and the time commitment was, was just it was just probably unsustainable. What what was the take home points, party for you in that year? Do you know that you're even implementing now, or do you know is there any um, outstanding things you say to yourself? I'm going to use that for my team, or you always see all bits and pieces. Like you know, no matter what team you work with, you know, no matter even sit down, you think about what you're doing, your practice and your philosophy, you constantly change it. But it really is much to do with individual players you have. I think the key is is to is to look at the players at your own disposal. I think by trying to implement a plan that works somewhere else and put it into your own team would be foolish because maybe it wouldn't really be working to your own strengths. And maybe you're asking things that are 
of the team that probably aren't possible. So, you know, there's certainly things that were taken from it. But I think we have to look at the, the context of down and the players that we have at our disposal, the, the type of type of game that's best suits this team and, and try and devise a system that, that suits it best. But there are certain things, there's cultural aspects too, you know, I think what I liked about the Gallia players were like, you know, there's 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 probably an easier way of life down there, you know, they're they're relaxed, they're much more probably relaxed, they really, really enjoy their sport, but they're much more relaxed in the way they approach things, Um, which isn't a bad thing either, you know, to see that side of things, because I think we're very intense up here, I think in Ulster generally, it's, it's very, very intense. So sometimes, but having that just to be a bit of a, more relaxed attitude, you can see things a little clearer. Mm-hmm. And because I wasn't really on the sideline and that with working that team, most of my work was done in the stand, feeding down into information onto the ground. It's a different environment, you know. So you, you see things differently, which I think that um, some of those things are definitely will, will, will run the third team. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you took the reins then. You were headhunted by Down Party, a group of players, ex-players. Um, obviously, <laughs> you were you were touted at the, at the start. Um, they went out, they identified you. Do you think that with uh, winning the Sigerson with St Mary's was a massive coup for you in that now you're being looked at as a potential manager? You know, it's your first win in the Sigerson, I think, 1989 um, for, for a relatively small, if you don't mind me saying, uh, university in terms of, of Sigerson. Um, you know, how, how did you find the process of becoming your own man then as, as manager? Uh, I will I suppose the Sigerson was a massive thing for us, the college. Like we had been trying to win that for so many years, you know, and, and we had come close. You know, there's a number of years we've come very close to, to achieving it, but we didn't get over the line. But that 2017 was just a year where then clicked and we were a really good team, good players, but their attitude was, was top class and, and we played really well. We had to like you know to win to win the four rounds of it from the start. Every game you're playing against the top universities, we had to really play extremely well. And we did, and we achieved it, <clears throat> and that was a really good thing for the for the team, good for the players. It was good personally too to achieve that because it was something I really wanted to do, and um, but it's done. And then that I suppose opened the door for for something else in two thousand eight. As I say, two thousand eighteen, I didn't plan anything, but that year of experience in Galway, mm-hmm. and I think in maybe the end of that stage, I probably was ready for it to be a county manager. I had been, I had been approached for years in between to take on county teams right. to manage county teams, but. I didn't feel I had enough experience as a manager. Um, I could have, I could have went in and take, take them one on, maybe been okay, but I just felt that I needed a bit more time. I just felt I needed to be really ready that if you are going to take into an accounting management team that you you not you have to know your game inside out as best as possible. So I felt that when, when Down came along, I felt I had enough experience at that stage to, to step into that role and, uh, and to take on the team. At that stage, I had built a coaching team around me at St Mary's that, was, that were good men mm-hmm. that I, I, I could trust. And they had the end game of experience of my methods as well and how to do things. And we'd been working together for a number of years. They were all part of that successful Sigerson management team. And it meant then that when we integrated that into the down setup, and it meant it was sort of quite, it's quite fluid. And then obviously bringing in Danny Coder. Danny was in for a year with us, which was great. And, and Kevin McGuigan come in. Kevin does a lot of work on the, on the stats and the, and the video analysis work. And, and this year, Mark Dorn's in with us, you know, and, and really having that down input as well is crucially important for what we're doing. 
on the on the coaching end of things. Mickey Walsh has joined the team this year as a physical therapist too, and Mickey's come from a good background of mm-hmm. coaching and management as well in his club, and and I very a lot of knowledge and strength condition as well, which is great for physiotherapy. So just just the way things worked out, I was able to assemble a group of player people with Mecca Trust, and and it's really nice to have that that there, and because we just implement basically implemented our, our plan, our program into into the squad, and so far it seems to be it seems to be working. We're, we're starting to get a, a system of place and a, and a management you know system in place that the players are enjoying. Hopefully, hopefully they <laughs> but they seem, they, seem, they seem to be happy enough. But we need it. But the, but we all know that the key will be results and winning. Mm. Winning, you know, we're not foolish enough to think it's just all about enjoying themselves. We have to be. We have to win in games and, and being successful. So that's that's our plan. Do you think the age profile of the squad helps as well, Paddy? That you know they are relatively young, um, and experienced at county level, and you know they can maybe take up your methods a wee bit quicker than say that being their under three or four managers. I think that definitely you, with, with young players, you have an opportunity to mould them in a, in a way of playing that that you want. You know, you can put your system in place, but that I think that's. That then again, I think that, and there's definitely enthusiasm. There's a real enthusiasm with young players. They really want to do well. They they don't ask any questions when it comes to training or getting on with the work, and uh, you know, and they do all that really well. And they want to learn. And this is I really enjoyed it. This particular group of players, they all want to learn. There's a real eagerness there, a thirst for for knowledge. That that you know, you can see that in our in our training, in our meetings, in our coaching. They really want to do well, you know, and, and this is this is what you want. Now, obviously, we have to create the conditions around that too. And we have to create a climate and a, and, a, and a culture around the team that we're that we're constantly working on. But generally, as a rule of thumb, I'm, I'm very impressed with their their attitude to to want to learn. Um, and um, the, the young players really are probably the reason why the older players are playing even better. You know, the few older players we've had that are there. They've really been playing really well this last 12 months, 18 months because of this young boys coming through and the energy they're bringing to it. And, and even this year, we were able to integrate a few more young players throughout the National League. And those young lads, again, were lifting the, 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 the team in all of it. So it's, it's exciting. It really is exciting. And I love, I love integrating new players. I love to see how they get on. You know, they might, it might take them, it could take them a season, it could take them a season and a half before you really see what they can do. But you have to give the players time to do that. And the only way you're going to learn is by exposing them to that level of football. But there's definitely a, there's definitely a willingness there among the young players to, to work hard. And we're, we're happy with that. No, and, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's great to see whenever, you know, down are starting to challenge again for, for leagues, promotions. Um, hopefully not be too long before, you know, we're back in Division 1 um, mm-hmm. testing us to finals again. But Paddy, I just uh, just one final question, just on, on your coaching philosophy and that has it changed throughout the years since you took over, like your first um, steps in the in two thousand and three to now? Um, what's the challenges now with the modern football? I think I think your core principles um, remain more more or less constant than they have to. You know, I think you can't really you can't. A lot of between your principles of your own philosophy. Like I think you have to adapt and you have to create. We we terms and 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 teaching. We talk about you know PPP your personal practical philosophy, and that's really important. You know especially in physical education teaching or in in, in coaching the teams. You have to have your personal philosophy that's based on your practical knowledge and how you apply that. And and that's really important. And I think that my, the principles have more or less been embedded way beyond, way before I even started coaching. I think this comes from playing. Comes from my own club. 
comes from your beliefs and, and your own where you come from, your your upbringing, everything about you molds you to what the person you are. You, you translate that you translate that onto your coaching as part of your coaching philosophy as well, and you learn that through how you're coached yourself, things you do, things you wouldn't do, mm-hmm. um, and and how then when you start coaching yourself, you're constantly evolving your own practice. But if you have good core principles, that's a good start, and you st- you have to stick by them. Then as 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 you go on, you learn, you change, you adapt. You, sports science is changing. The basic science is always the same. <clears throat> the human the human body works the same way all the time. You know how you train it. Is important that you get it right, but you're, you you do change and adopt different methodologies at different times to change because really you can't keep going back to the same thing all the time and expect the difference going to be the same because things will change. You have to be innovative and, and change the way you do things. But generally, um, as long as your changes are for the better, not just the sake of doing it, they have to be. There has to be reason why you're doing it to improve, and. Um, I think my philosophy has just gradually moved away. Well, it's in 2003, that's 17 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably looking back at some of the stuff you're doing, um, again, it's, it's hard to say because if you've good players and they're successful and you're working, you, you can't really complain too much about it. <laughs> but a lot of that was down to, I, I still go back to that and say a lot of that was just down to ability of the players. Really, really was down to good footballers, just knowing what to do themselves. And there wasn't, a, wasn't an awful lot of coaching done. It was really get them fit, put them out there, keep them injury free, and let them play. I think things have moved on a bit now. Since then, since then I think the game's much more tactical now. Mm-hmm. I think that you could see that maybe Donegal definitely changed an awful lot. That that Jim McGuinness is the year before he won the All Ireland, he got slated for the, the performance against Dublin in Crow Park. I think it might have been a six-five game or a seven-six game, something really low scoring, and it was like the the death of Gaelic football. <laughs> 12, 12 months later, he wins the All Ireland and does the rebirth of Gaelic football. So, uh, but he definitely brought a different um, tactical element to it. And I think since that, there you can really see tactics have become a bigger part. And Mayo, tactically very good on the James Horn. Obviously, Jim Gavin in Dublin, Dublin extremely tactically very good. Kerry have adopted a lot of tactical game now compared to what, what they were, I, I felt in Galway. Galway are tactically very good. Uh, I learned I learned a lot from the way they tactically set up in games and the way they play and how they went through their did their analysis too. So, you know, the game has evolved tactically. I think that's the one big change has been since my since oh three or even oh five or, or even just this last ten years, teams now are tactically setting up much more much more organized, much more structurally. And it's becoming more difficult to to break those teams down at the, at the top level because they're very, very good at it. I felt that Donegal, when we played against them, and, and for, when I was working with Derry, like, you know, since those two or three years in Donegal, you're really the pin your collar to break them down tactically. They're, they're exceptionally good. How do you get that, Paddy, that, that tactical awareness? Is it just repetition and, you know, breaking each, each move down or is it uh, letting the players decide themselves where to be? I think it's a, it's. I think you have to spend a lot of time on the field doing it. I think you have, there's only one way of, of of building that into a team is, is repetition and doing it constantly. And then be prepared of what ifs. If it doesn't work out, how do you change it? If it doesn't work out, and then that's where you have to do your players being able to think on their feet and for them to go and play as well. But I think players like structure. They like they like to know there's a plan. I don't think anybody likes going to do anything now in football just going off the cuff it doesn't really work it's okay to an extent but if it's not working then what do you do mm-hmm. so uh, I think we have to have that balance between being tactically sound but 
but being that players be creative as well, you know, and not not limiting their their individuality or their ability to make the right decision. You have to encourage that. So I think a lot of stuff you do in training has to be based around allowing players to, to, to make the right decisions and encouraging them to take risks as well and not to be afraid to take risks because really the teams that are more successful are probably the teams that are players will take more risks and go for it. You know, you can become you can become too maybe um, too too much of a slave to a system, which which wouldn't be good either. Like so it's just trying to get that balance, but certainly you have to have a structure, but you also want players to, to be able to go out there and play. Oh, that's that's brilliant, Justin. It makes total sense. So, I can see the headline now. Talik says down for all out attack. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that headline going, John? Who's watching the show? <laughs> but thanks a million for for all your you know your insight and you know um, it's fascinating to see you know where you've where you've come from, how you've developed as a coach and now as a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks a million for you know um, sharing your your insight. It means a lot uh, for your time. Um, best of luck. Thank you, John. For the Thanks two remaining much. games and all the best in the championship. And hopefully we'll get uh, Ulster final. We're looking forward and really looking forward to getting back, watching even club games now down in a few weeks' time, see how the players are all going. And, and that will be a big onus on, on the county players to, to really be, to be leading their club teams and playing really well you know, for their club teams. And, and then... And then get, we'll get back together in mid-September and, and that'll be exciting to get back to, you know, it's a strange time you're, you're actually starting your season or you're not, you're, you're going back into your season in mid-September. Hopefully we can push right into, into December, which would be just absolutely brilliant. Um, but no, it's, it's an exciting time of the year and I'm really wishing all the players and the clubs the best of luck and down. I hope you, hope you enjoy your, your season, you really deserve it. I think it's important that um, we've had your players now for, for three months at the start of the year and it's really important now that the players are with their clubs and it's, and it's important we hand them across to you one thing I'm very confident of is, is that the, the quality of the, the coaching and the training and down will be very good over the next week while so when they come back to us really we'll be just tapping up again and getting them ready for their for their league matches so I wish all the clubs and down and the managers and the players the very best we look forward to seeing you playing and um, all been well we'll uh, we get back together in mid-September and give another final push for this league and, and looking forward to the championship Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, okay, hopefully, John. get you back on whenever uh, in December then. Oh, all been well. Okay, John. Take care. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Thank Good you. Thanks, Bye-bye.